Alright, so if if you're someone that's not a huge wrestling fan, but you liked the last episode, thank you for sticking with us. If you are a huge wrestling fan, then welcome back. We're still talking about wrestling and the music. It's it's going deep, man. It's We've got opinions. Me and Chris obviously both love wrestling. So, let's get into it. Well, it's probably a good time actually yeah to go into some of the ones that that, that were runners up that we didn't vote in yeah, this, is, this is this is a good umbrella to got a few <laughs> go for it uh, first and then i'll throw in a few so i'm thinking just to go because i mentioned recent things i think the first thing i'd like to mention is a song called glorious domination by bobby It's so good it's brilliant <laughs> like, I mean it's so legitimately good yeah it's, it's just it's so on brand for the character uh, by this point you've maybe done some googling if you're not familiar uh, and we did mention Ric Flair Bobby Roode's character is basically Ric Flair at this point like it's exactly mm. the same yeah he always comes out in a sort of fur lined silk what would you call it it's like, like a s- somewhere between a dressing gown or robe yeah. and a long smoking jacket mm. uh, and it, the song basically sounds like Queen it's mm-hmm. this multi-part harmony it's, it is really really catchy I mean before <laughs> I even got in any way into that character I was like that is a really brilliant entrance because yeah. it's, it's actually a a good bit of music um, and also one of the first times I saw him doing it was a, was an NXT special NXT is like the sort of the reserves league or the the feeder league, the India brand, the him rising up on a plinth, just arms outstretched, backlit, and 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 this multi-part harmony of glorious, mm. and it was super super well done. So yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Also, um, since we're talking about NXT, Catch Your Breath by for Finn Balor, his intro is just so good. <laughs> Absolutely, the problem with Finn Balor, this is a, this is a young Irish wrestler, um, and one of the most interesting guys, just a really, really good, went to Japan, made his name over there, came back with super hot property, and he had this kind of uh, alter ego, a kind of Jekyll and Hyde character mm. of the Demon King, which WWE decided for whatever reason... I mean, I think Finn Balor felt it was overshadowing his persona mm-hmm. or whatever. But it's a shame because the entrance for the Demon King, again, at one of the NXT specials, is up there with the best I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's genuinely, like, you know, if, if, if bearing in mind that wrestling is aimed at kids and big kids, <laughs> it is like, it absolutely couldn't have been more on the money for being a buzz. I would, I would uh, call uh, Battle Cry by Kenny Omega.
Kenny Omega is one of the really hot properties like just that? now. That's interesting. The Japan, a lot of the Japanese wrestlers, and, and New Japan wrestling is a really big thing. I've actually been to Japan to see a New Japan uh, event, and it was brilliant. The culture's quite different. It's much more gender balanced. The, the audience is quite different in its responses, but it's a huge thing for them over there. Very skillfully done, you know, really, really big culture around it. Uh, but they love their power metal <laughs> and their proggy, proggy stuff. I mean, even the even the Japanese wrestlers that go over here are are huge into that. But uh, Battle Cry by Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega isn't Japanese, but he's got a sort of Terminator type character. Over there he um, had, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, And this this tune is just a belter. It's a bit like Dragon Force, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, super hot property, that guy as well, who's pissed off WWE no end by not signing for them. Yeah. <laughs> He's one of the best in the world as well. If you if you if if you are if this somehow makes you vaguely interested in wrestling, uh, check you should definitely YouTube his matches with Okada. Uh, the first oh, three those of are them and they're just outra- outrageous. Yeah, those, um, and on that note as well, there's a track called Grand Sword by a Japanese wrestler called Kenta Kobayashi. Which is again more this like Japanese power metal. It's amazing. Like it really, really suits it. It gets your adrenaline going. You know, I've been in a stadium or I've been in an arena. Sorry, when this stuff comes on, it's it's such a buzz. It really is. It's mega loud. The lights go up. Everybody around you is just. It's fun. I mean, if you don't think it's fun, then peace peace. <laughs> um, I would say. I mean, I mentioned Sami Zayn already. Uh, a, a Japanese wrestler that made it over to the states and made it pretty big. Although he's probably still debatably underutilized as a guy called Shinsuke Nakamura. Yes. He has a entrance theme with violins. That yeah, really, really, really works really, really well. He's for got his character. two, right? So he's as a when he was a good guy, when he was a face, he just had like the instrumental version of it. And now that he's a bad guy, he's a hero. He's actually got like Japanese rapping over it, and it just makes it sound so different. And it really suits <laughs> his character. <laughs> um, I would say also in that note, Asuka, Asuka. Uh, female Japanese wrestler, uh, her track, the future. It's an absolute belter, but it's a complete rip-off of 21st Century Schizoid Man yeah. by King Crimson. I <laughs> mean, it, it's so similar. Yeah, I mean, talking about rip-offs, one of the things that I wanted to bring up was Self High Five, DDP's team tune in WCW. And it is literally, it smells like Team Spirit. Self High Five. (laughs) 
Back it has the exact same. It's got <laughs> it's one chord different, but it's played the same way. And it's also got the the two note guitar bit in the verse. <laughs> There's no vocals, but yeah, it's it's, it's pretty blatant. Um, one that I didn't put in my top five, but I do think it's really good, and it ties into what Mark mentioned earlier on, where real bands get involved, is uh, the track "King of Kings" by Triple H. Behold the king, the king of kings. On your knees, dog. <laughs> Which is performed by Motorhead, and Triple H actually had gone to the, the extent of getting Motorhead onto shows to, to do the, the tracks live and it was really fucking cool that that fitted his character so well it was a, one of the best chosen bits of sync music I think Bad, bad Reputation as well Ronda Rousey used that when she was when she was competing Ronda Rousey yeah. yeah yeah Joan Jett played it at Wrestlemania while she walked out which is uh, again just a cool as fuck thing you know uh, it's, the song suits her very very well it's not a wrestling song um, but it kind of falls into it, I suppose it's probably a delineation we should probably make which maybe I should have made sooner, sooner is like when we start talking about our top fives and there's two different ways that we need to look at this kind of music there's good songs and then there's songs that just fit the character, despite the fact they're not actually songs or actually good songs. <laughs> like Doink, Doink the Clown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any more runners-up? Because I've got five absolute belters that I'm dying to talk I do about. have a few, yeah. Um, right, you mentioned Eddie Guerrero, Latino Heat. Latino Heat. Chica, ¿tú quieres probar a un Latino man? Really, really good. Enjoy that. Um, you, you might mention the, the 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 other side of this coin, but Hulk Hogan became a bad guy in the late nineties. He moved to WCW and he joined the NWO, and they had they've got a really iconic theme tune called Rock House. Still, I think it's arguably as good as as original, really American. It's just it, it just suits the sleazy nature of like him and Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and the way NWO were like really duplicitous and you know quite underhanded. And the, the music is like this kind of f- kind of funky but rock. You could hear it in a strip club. It's it's, it's not it's not. <laughs> I'm, nice. I'm sure they did. Yeah, they probably did. Yeah, um, and. Uh, one thing which did not make my top five but is absolutely worth talking about and I, I've got a list of these which I could go on for ages in fact I'm going to I'm going to do two more right I'm going to do two more right. uh, actually no I'm going to do three more sorry <laughs> I'm, going th- I'm going to do three more right um, the, the time is now you talked about it, John Cena's theme tune talked about how it's like pure cultural appropriation and it is and his character really was at the time he was the doctor thugonomics he was a white rapper 
he would come on. Does, does anyone not know who John? I mean, if, even if you hate wrestling, surely can you picture John Cena? He's he's sort of like Mark Wahlberg if they if they took him out the oven too soon or something. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he's like just a like a side of white beef. I, I don't really know what to say. He, he seems like a really nice guy. He does. Know? He seems like a really awesome dude. He seems like a really good guy, but he's such a. Chode. And he released an album called You Can't See Me, which is him rapping with a trademark. <laughs> that trademark, sorry. But his his intro theme is iconic. It just speaks to the character and, and it really, really works for him as a wrestler. The song itself is, is garbage, but it, it really it really works. And before I talk about good songs though, cut a personality. That is a belter. Living colour. Yeah, CM Punk had that. One of his stipulations for when he left WWE, I'm using very, very, um, I'm using like quote marks here for left. He came back and he said that he would only come back if he could. One of the one of the preconditions, or was I meant? There was a few, but it was only if he could use uh, "Color Personality" by Living Colour as his theme music. It works. Suits him down to the ground as well. Mm-hmm. And finally. Possibly one of the most important songs is No Chance in Hell because it's Vince McMahon's theme tune. It is the <laughs> owner's theme tune. And again, let's talk about Vince McMahon. Right? This is a guy who's what, 70 what? In his mid 70s, yeah. I mean, he's just such a horrible, like, he's he's like Frankenstein's monster of all the biceps of all the people that died. (laughs) I mean, it's like, he's just been, he's like grave robbing biceps and (laughs) stuffing them under his loose skin for (laughs) for the last decade. (laughs) The guy's horrendous. He's just a horrendous Mm -hmm. looking guy and probably a horrendous human being as well. Yeah. Big, big, big Trump fan. His wife actually works for Donald Trump. I mean, she's in the cabinet. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, not the best. And I mean, definitely in the process of driving his company down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know that's the thing. Like, uh, he's going to give over to his future son-in-law. His, his current son-in-law, sorry, is, is going to be the person Triple H. Triple H. And mm-hmm. you've already mentioned King of Kings. Um, and there's a whole story behind him and and behind the click, which we which I recommend you go and check out online if you don't know about it as to why Triple H is in the position that he's in and why a couple of other people were going to mention, one other person we're going to mention really soon was Triple H's pal are in positions of power in this company um, and that's really fascinating so if, if, if this has somehow piqued your interest then please go and look at the history of the click and the Montreal Screwjob and the curtain call incident all those things will really fill you in it like even though this all happened more than 20 years ago now they'll all kind of fill you in as to why wrestling is in the state it's in just now <laughs> this is the thing with wrestling because there's a lot of like fake drama and then there's a lot of actual drama and then there's a lot of drama that you think is fake but is probably actual and then there's a lot of drama that you think is actual but is actually probably fake mm-hmm. and this is also their whole concept called kayfabe kayfabian which is to do with the kind of contract of you going to see wrestling and you know that it's fake and they know that you know it's fake but that you both agree that you're going to suspend that disbelief to get to the end goal which is enjoyment Mm -hmm. and ultimately if you're not enjoying this podcast it's because you're not making the effort (laughs) to suspend your disbelief and get to the end goal of enjoyment so really it's not our fault it's (laughs) your fault 
Okay. So your runners up, come on, get um, with some more. Th- oh, those were my runners up. What mm. I think we should do now is the top probably, five. Probably the most exciting thing. No, not the top five. I think we should do our three. <laughs> right. Okay. So the three, the three songs from real life that uh, would have made great wrestling themes. Okay. Do you want me to go first? Or yes, you go first. All right. Uh, number three would have been Them Bones by Alice in Chains. Okay, okay. I can see it. I can see it. I mean, the, the, the thing, a lot of wrestling themes, just ask, was it Steve Austin... Who else? Uh, Ric Flair. Like the first two seconds of a wrestling theme is probably the most important part of mm-hmm. the theme, especially if it's something like Royal Rumble, mm-hmm. where you're just waiting for that noise to find out who's coming out. Yeah. Uh, and then Bones with that ah mm-hmm. at the start, perfect. And I mean the fact that it's got lines in it like some say we were born into the grave, but obviously you've got to have a really nineties character at that. You got to have this rugged, sort of long haired, scraggly guy in like those kind of elasticated ripped jeans. Where yeah. you're like, how can he wrestle in those until you realise that they're actually like sprayed on? Mm. Um I'm gonna call this wrestler Kurt Washington. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, his special move is gonna be the Melvin. Oh, nice. I like it. I like All it. Alright. So my song is Bod and Thunder by Mastodon. Ah, oh, that's a good one. I mean, you're properly going for the legit metal. Yeah. And that, the, yeah. The next one's going to take a massive right turn, by the way, just to let you know. <laughs> um, but this is, uh, this is, this is like, it comes back to what you just said there, man, right? It's the first five seconds, and this is kind of frantic, and then it's got the, the little pause, and then you're, you're, you're into the full song. I think that's cool. Obviously, right, the character that this is for is a guy called Ahab. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I like that. And oh, oh you, you could have said Ishmael though. Yeah, because then it could have been could called be a Ishmael. tag team. Yeah, um, <laughs> and this is a, this is a big, big ginger bruiser. You know, like Braun Strowman, like definite power, definite power lifter, like six and a half feet tall, eight to seven feet tall. <laughs> you know, big, big guy, and clearly he's going to be doing a pile driver because he's not going to do them anymore. So he's like, I'm he's going to have to have so a better good. name than that though. You have. No, but I mean the power driver's going to have. Yeah, to I mean I, I don't have I don't know. <laughs> the anchor. What was the name of the ship in Moby Dropping Dick? the anchor. <laughs> you, come on, you you studied literature. I can't remember the name of the ship. What's the name of the ship? Ah, oh, this is really embarrassing for you. Is it, oh fuck! What is it? Oh, I can't remember. Sorry. Maybe he could have a move called the Leviathan. Maybe that would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Like just a right. massive clothesline. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's your next one? Um, man, like so. Kind of debated going really cool. There's a track called All the Rage by Girls Against Boys. What's new? Which is just this really chunky, sort of riffy thing, but the vocals are really sexy, and it'd be some super cool dude, but nah, I dingied that. I also always thought that. Closer by Nine Inch Nails would be a pretty good track. That'd be good. But dingied that as well. I went a little bit more obscure and I'll put a sample in that. Hopefully you agree. A track called Come With You by Millionaire. <laughs> Just this obscure alternative uh, Belgian band. 
And I'm not even sure if this is a male or a female wrestler, but what it is, is it's sassy. Uh, it's a kind of Prince type vibe, this okay. song. Really, it's got a line in it. The main line in it that gets repeated is, they say I can't, but I do what I want to. Mm-hmm. And that is the sort of attitude of just a sort of irreverent upstart, cheeky heel. I mean, given that I don't know if they're male or female, I'd have to go for something. I don't know. Kitty boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's going to work. No. I, I mean, I, I, have, I have absolutely no idea. No, I, I, I mean, I mean, really badly what I cut that out as well. <laughs> Start again. <laughs> Just a little pain in the ass, but sort of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's my one. So the next one, <laughs> I'm quite Here proud of myself for this one. I hope, I hope people like it. Uh, Real Britannia. It's not to use that. I don't know, but... Um, the British Bulldog not of that? Possibly, actually. Yeah, probably did, actually. But yeah, this has obviously got a totally different connotation in this, in this period in time. This is for a female heel character called Karen Hopkins, who's a cross between <laughs> the Karen meme and Katie Hopkins. Like I, yeah, I was way ahead of you. A yeah. pure xenophobe, um, and she comes out to Real Britannia, and of course, her finisher is the Cliffs of Dover. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> which is just like an avalanche suplex from the top rope. I would have liked it if you'd called it the Lancaster Lockdown. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's that, yeah, that's a pretty solid recommendation. Uh, okay, so the third one is me. This is my wrestling theme this year, right? I, I'm really stuck between two songs. Okay. Really stuck, and I'm sorry. I know I'm bending the rules, right? But either grounds for divorce by Big Business. Mm-hmm. Or this stops at the river by unseen. Mm. I'm gonna put a sample in here, and you guys can pick what you think is the most impressive. But one of those two. Now, I like to fancy myself as having one of those two as my entry music. I mean, in real life, my entry music is probably more likely to be It's Only Natural by Crowded House. <laughs> 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 but still, like, indulge me here. Uh, if I go for the un- the unsane one, my move is going to be the Vi Queen, and my character is going to be clearly called Chet the Chet. Harbinger. The Harbinger. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like it. Uh, so... Mines is, is going to be people who go shit by Slipknot. <laughs> Again, that's going to cost you. I'm just saying Slipknot are not going to fuck around with those uh, publishing rights. They're not, um, but... You know, I'm working for WWE so they can afford it. Especially when they've got Code Orange doing theme tunes for Bray Wyatt. I think it's going to be fine. <laughs> That's true. That's uh, so, yeah, um, close friend of Corey Taylor, incidentally, um, Code Orange. My character's called The Glazer because it's Mark Fraser. I'm going to be The Glazer. 
<laughs> like imagine you turning up with a pencil in your mouth, just being like, "Oh, it's really going to cost you." Actually, I'm coming. Out, I'm coming. Out, I'm a hardcore <laughs> wrestler. You're going I'm to a do? hardcore wrestler. <laughs> I'm coming out of panes of glass. I'm smashing people with them. Like I'm just. Yeah, that. I mean, when you cut your promo, that is going to be you. You're going to be like. <sighs> gonna cost you that's really gonna cost you <laughs> yep and that's me stand there with either a bag of broken glass or, or a pane of glass and you, re- you, mean you realize that the glass breaking meme has already been done by so many wrestlers at the start of their theme yeah and oh it's not gonna my theme's not gonna start with that because it's gonna start with just a, 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 the actual song um itself but uh, <laughs> my finisher's gonna be probably uh the window pain, obviously. Oh, actually, oh, that's pretty good, actually. The word pain. I was going to say the defenestration. Yeah, it's just going to be an, like a, a Mitch and Nuki driver, which is my, one of my favourite moves. Obviously, and also I, sh- I should tag team. I should also I should also state just for people that know me to put this picture clearly in your head. I mean, you didn't laugh, and I said double glazing for a tag team. <laughs> that's actually quite good. <laughs> Apologies, I didn't, I didn't hear that. I was too busy thinking about. Um, yes, yeah, so, so and my ring attire is going to be like a gold sequin singlet. Oofed. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to start wearing that in the ring now instead of just around the house. Aye. <laughs> uh, right, top fives. Okay. Um, do I start with number Trade- five then? Do you want to start this time? Yeah, okay. I'm going for a deep cut, right? So if you're American, you may not have heard about this wrestler. He is for the tap end of Stevenson, which is a town in Ayrshire. And famously, this man is called Grado. He's now an actor too. He does panto. He actually literally does panto, which is... Yeah. <laughs> which is a bit of a crossover, I suppose. But he used to come out to like a prayer by Madonna. Which is just cool as fuck, man. It was brilliant. It was so effective as well. Like, the whole place would be bouncing. Yeah. Nobody taking themselves seriously. Especially him. Especially him. (laughs) (laughs) He's a... Yeah, he's a good choice. Pretty great, I think. Uh, Is it me? Yep, sure. I am going to go for the perfect chauvinistic anthem. And I think I'm going to go for what sums up wrestling in the minds of a lot of people. And it's the the track... uh, Ass man <laughs> by Billy Gunn. I'm an ass man. <laughs> yeah, I'm an ass man. As you say, I'm an ass man. Do you want to know some more lyrics from that song? Yes, please. Uh, I'm an ass man. Yeah, I love to love him. I love to kick him. I love to shove him. I love to stick him. I love to flaunt him. I love to watch him. I love to pick him. <laughs> <laughs> that that one didn't land right. Nope. I love picking an ass. I feel like little crusty bits. That are... <laughs> Any, I, I don't need to go into detail there. Um, it's also got a line in the chorus, or two lines in the chorus, which are fucking priceless. So many asses, so little time. The best surprises always sneak up from behind. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> well considered. I like that. It's brilliant. Um, I mean, it's pure spinal tap at the end there. But yeah, yeah. that's the ed, that is the id of wrestling, right there. It totally is. <laughs> that's like that's that's what the fans are paying for. Really, at the end of the day, right? <laughs> so my next choice is uh, here comes the money. <laughs> here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. money. 
Ah, uh, Shane. Shane. So Shane McMahon is the, is, the, is the son of Vince McMahon. It's, it's really well, man. It's a song about money. He's the son of the CEO. He thinks he's untouchable. They, they recently trolled the, the entire like wrestling community by making by giving him the title of the best wrestler in the world and giving him a trophy for it, which just <laughs> sent the, the whole internet wrestling community an absolute fucking meltdown. It was... Now that you look back on it, it's like that's actually a pretty funny joke. They were clearly yeah, thinking I mean, about that. And and his whole thing was that he used to be just super obnoxious, like a spoiled brat. He's like actually a lot of similarities with Donald Trump Jr. Yes. With Don Jr. Yes. It really like if you want to try and imagine what Shane McMahon's character used to be, it mm-hmm. was Don Jr. I, I mean, I think that's an interesting one as well because for anyone that watches wrestling, especially these days, because he doesn't do as much stuff now, when you hear that, you know it's probably going to be a big fall match and it's usually happening during a big event. Mm. So it, it's kind of by association now. It's like, what the fuck is this crazy motherfucker going to do to himself? Because this guy's famous for, he doesn't do a lot of shows, but he's famous for jumping, you know, 50 feet onto a table and, and shit like this. I mean, really hurting himself as well. Like, the guy is a total daredevil. Absolutely. Yeah, he puts his body in the line. And I think, so that song tends to uh, elicit both uh, excitement and apprehension. Because watching Shane McMahon matches, you're sometimes really wincing and sort of looking at it through fingers like, oh, don't do it, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Right, do you want some lyrics for this song? I think I think they really fit, fit the man himself. Here comes a new kid in the block, hold your bets, because here's where the buck stops. See, first of all, I'm stepping out on my own. About time I elected to claim my own throne. So what? It's also got the great line, pours <laughs> reeking testosterone. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, that's, that's more on the money. Um, okay, my next choice, my number four out of five is, and I'm glad that I've got a chance to, to, to include this because it's I Hope You Suffer by AFI, which is used by the wrestler Jimmy Havoc. Jimmy Havoc is not a big time WWE wrestler, he's, a, he's an indies guy, he wrestles with ICW for example which is a Scottish company, mm-hmm. he wrestles in All Elite Wrestling, he, he, he wrestled with Progress, Defiance, loads and loads and loads of different companies but I like the fact, and this is what we were talking about earlier on where he's using an existing song and that song really does work, I mean you basically made me investigate AFI when you nominated them and that was if you recall one of mm-hmm. the very few songs from that that I was like I listen to this again. This is actually a really good song, mm-hmm. and it really, really works brilliantly. I mean, the fact that it's "I Hope You Suffer" and he's got a kind of gothy, masochistic character mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, he's like an emo, really. Um, but it's it, that song is all about the space and the riffs. And as we mentioned earlier on, with all those big old school, you know, Chris Benoit, Brock Lesnar, it's about the space between the guitar riffs. And this song totally gets it and it's just that yeah it's a, it's a great match it's a really good choice yes yeah, that's a great choice i didn't even know that he'd had that because i only know is i've only seen his work in the aw you know i haven't seen haven't seen his work in icw and alex i've not i've actually i'm going to put this on the air just now we should definitely go to an icw show when we can because i've never been to one <laughs> <laughs> they're they're good fun don't expect to wear your clothes again the next day Oh, that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> a lot of beer flying about yeah uh, i once saw the wrestlers at icw go rogue uh, leave the ring and then one of them threw the other one through the beer pumps across the bar in the ABC and the bar staff were not briefed and not amused Jeez, <laughs> it was absolute carnage <laughs> uh, but I mean the building burnt down so what's the problem yeah <laughs> it's not an issue anymore um, my number three is uh, Break the Walls Down which is Chris Jericho's theme tune one 
great wrestler as well. Yeah, so I, th- I wanted to actually pick this for two reasons. One, because the song is super iconic. So I'm old enough to have had a cable box which did not have any subscription on it. Um, <laughs> because I don't even know why that was. But one of the three channels was TNT. And mm-hmm. WCW was shown on that. And I remember watching Chris Jericho in 98, 99 and thinking this guy's fucking really good. And then he vanished from my screen and I had no idea why. You, can I just say I love it when someone sounds like they're going to say fucking amazing and then they kind of rein it in and go fucking no bad. <laughs> <laughs> he moved to WWE, uh, WWF as it was at the time and his debut was hyped really well and he arrived on the scene as Y2J because obviously... I was going to say the Y2J song is pretty good as well. Yeah, yeah. but this, this is for me this is what he used all the time afterwards you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is he is a rest he's a wrestling genius. He's he's not a Hall of Famer yet, but he definitely will be. He's one of the best in the world, one of the best has ever been, and apparently a very nice dude as well. Um, I like this song because he, he also sings in a metal band. Yeah, he used to he used to sing in a black. Uh, they, they don't start at Fozzie started as a Black Sabbath cover he did, band. Yeah, and then, they, then they became their own metal band. They played like they, they tour quite a lot. Yeah, yeah so that's actually that, that's actually what I was about to mention. I was going to segue into that. Is that one of the cool things that I like about his career is that he's always referencing the past while whilst creating new characters. He had a reputation for being quite a duplicitous heel, and he's always been a very kind of arrogant and uh, difficult to like like wrestler generally but one of the first lines in this song is uh, for those about to rock I'm what you want baby you know you're Judas and I'm your priest right which is obviously a really on the nose lyric but now that he's not in WWE anymore he's actually got a Fozzie song which is his, which is his music called Judas he's got a new finisher called the Judas Effect so it's like he's given the whole thing, his whole character and his whole career thought when he's doing these things. And I think that's really, really cool. Well, funnily enough, when I went to Japan uh, for the trip I mentioned earlier on, he was one of the main attractions. He was their sort of guest foreign wrestler. I thought, who was it he fought against? Okada? I think yeah, it I might have been Okada. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, my third choice, and it, it's a fucking belter. Mr. Kurt Angle, and the track is actually called Metal. You suck. Um... Uh, or <laughs> I don't. You actually had a reprise of this called I Don't Suck. Yeah. Now, the reason is that metal um by the way it wasn't actually written for him it was written for a wrestler called the patriot really and 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 yeah kurt angle re- reappropriated it but it's clearly a sort of nod to rocky uh it's it's got this big arena fanfare i'll put a bit of it in obviously um it's almost got a sort of like r- roman coliseum you know, classical mm-hmm old world feel to it and I think given like Kurt Angle is a sort of he was an Olympic wrestler he was an Olympic gold medalist that's a big part of his shtick on the show he wears like old school wrestling attire very traditional style wise very very technical and it fits with the character really well to, to have this kind of callback into history um, 
but yeah, I just I think it's really effective. But it's also the the, the extra genius of that is that those two big horn blasts, the bam bam, the audience clicked and just started singing "You Suck," and this followed this guy for years, <laughs> and he just became like beyond a meme of just just it, it, like you 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 think it's the name of the song, like this guy's mm. song is called "You Suck." Hence why he then sort of referenced it and, and released I Don't Suck. But he really played on that brilliantly as well. He was such a good heel and just everything about him, including his song, was synonymous with how much the audience loved to hate him yeah. and hated to love him, if you know what I mean. It was it was a really good illustration of how in wrestling and in films and in, you know, most literature, like quite often the bad guys are the most interesting guys and mm-hmm. yeah. It's interesting that as well because he's retired now and he's he was on WWE programming as as a kind of authority figure, I suppose you could say. And even when the crowd like him, they still chant, "You suck." It's, yeah, it's, it's like so ingrained now as a thing. <laughs> yeah, and he he's he's loving it. He's just whipping it along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely brilliant. You know, and it's it's I love the way that one of the things that I enjoy the most about wrestling, and I think it is definitely also worth mentioning, is that the best ones react so quickly to to the changes in the crowd mentality and sometimes they will actually use that as part of their character going forward and I think mm-hmm. that's a really clever storytelling mechanism which people don't really talk about very much. Yeah and it's it's also again sorry to go too deep but it's also part of why the, the, the Roman Reigns character struggled for so long because mm-hmm. the management refused to let him react to the heat, to the negative reaction, they were like no 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 stay stay face, stay the course we're going to make that audience like you and it was very obvious that the audience hated the fact that we're having this rammed down their throat mm-hmm. and it's, it's just interesting, it's an interesting sort of meta dynamic when you watch wrestling because there is that kayfabe thing that we know it's fake we're not pretending it's not scripted. We know these outcomes are predetermined. It's about the journey there, but it's also about the fun of this sort of pretense that we're all engaged yeah. in. We're all involved in the act. It's not just the wrestlers, it's the mm-hmm. audience, it's everybody. You have to suspend your disbelief and in those sort of situations it really comes into focus. Who's your third? Well, my, my second. Well. <laughs> what you were saying actually ties quite nicely into, what I, into this next person that I'm going to mention. The thing that I enjoy about wrestling, apart from the way that the wrestlers can react to the reaction like that, is like, even though we're all on this contract, we've all got this sort of sense of verisimilitude like between us. We we all know what we're talking about and thinking about and kind of feeling. There's always that little bit of unknown reaction between the the fans and the promotion, which can result in something really strange happening. I don't just mean in the ring, because sometimes cool shit will happen accidentally and sometimes Mm. sadly tragic shit can do that as well. But one really good example of that, and there's still a lot of chat to this day as to whether it was engineered or not, was the pipe bomb by CM Punk, you know, Mm -hmm. and changed the wrestling landscape when that happened in 2013. And he was deeply unhappy at the company. And and, and if you can go back, and Chris mentioned Cole Cabana way back at the start, if you go back and listen to the podcast he did with Cole Cabana after he left WWE in 2016, you can actually kind of hear a little bit more about why he was so unhappy and what led him to leave. Before he did the pipe bomb, he was in charge of a group called Nexus, <laughs> funnily enough. Well, sorry, can I just, I don't want to mm. presume too much. The pipe bomb was basically where he came out and instead of doing the usual running down to the ring, standing in the middle of the ring, all these kind of things, he walked out onto the entrance ramp and then just sat down and crossed his legs and just sort of chatted into the microphone to the audience. And given that you're, you're, you're in a full arena, it was very informal and also super critical of the company, mm-hmm. very scathing. And so there was, a, again, a really acute moment of kayfabe where people were like, 
Is this staged? Is this real? Because the fact that there's still Dubai over it is pretty amazing. I mean, I think it was real. Yeah. It seemed pretty authentic, but it's brilliant that they've been able to spin it into ambiguity. Um, I, probably to both their benefits, because CM Punk didn't do well in uh, UFC. Um, but yeah, it's a really, really interesting illustration. So the pipe bomb was this sort of like mic drop guy coming out saying that he's sick of this shit and basically slamming the mic down, mic drop. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said earlier on when I picked Cult of Personality, when he returned after all this shit happened, he was given this, he said, I want a theme tune, and he was given that song, which is a great song. But before that, he had a song called This Fire Burns by Killswitch Engage. <laughs> And they didn't. I mean, that 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 made a, a lot of fucking cash for that band. It did, you know. And they didn't even write it f- for a, a wrestler. I think they were asked to be part of. Well, they they released their album as they like dies, and I think this was like a a cut that didn't make that record. And WWE approached them to, to do the theme song for Judgment Day two thousand and eight, and they had this song, and that was used. And then at some point down the line, it was then probably not probably very soon afterwards. I would imagine it was given to CM Punk, and. Actually, really suits his character down to a T, you know. Well, he's a straight edge, vegan, hardcore, yeah, punk type character, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But like the lyrics are actually really, really interesting and how they fit as well. It's like all I ever wanted was my destiny to be fulfilled. Um, this fire burns always. Tomorrow's in my eyes. I want it to be denied. Oh, it's fucking cringing like, so hard. Yeah, no, man. like it, <laughs> like it's totally on the nose. But when you think about like how, how his character was always an underdog and always a, always somebody that never felt as though they were getting their 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 worth. You know, and and given that he was in the Nexus at the time, who who were basically up against the the corporation and and the powers that be, it, like really it really fits with the character. You know, like yeah, that's I, why I like yeah. it so much. It, it's still murder polis though. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's still super like <laughs> it's fucking metalcore, man. It's not going to be amazing, but it's a, I think it's a good song regardless of the content of of the lyrics and. It fits him. It fit. It fit him really, really well. Color personality did the, ex- the exact reverse, right? Because yeah. he'd obviously realised if it's now a color personality, and was like playing on that. And that yeah. song has also got some really horrible lyrics. It's just, it's <laughs> but, just a banging song, but it's also um, a banger. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna go at the opposite end of the spectrum for my number two. Sexy boy, Shawn Michaels. Uh-huh. I think I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. I've got the looks. The drives that goes wild I've got the move That really move I said chill Up and down Alright Sexy Boy is iconic. You must have heard this, even if you haven't listened to wrestling or if you've ever walked through a room when somebody else was watching wrestling and this has been on, it'll never leave you. Mm-hmm. Um, this was written by the guy we spoke about, Jimmy Hart. And the actually the original version was uh, Sean's manager, Sensational Sherry. She sang the vocals on oh, it. Really? My 
there's a fair amount of purists that still prefer that. Mm-hmm. And I, I know um, they were like, oh, you know, the lyrics are all about singing about this sexy boy and and, and like, it doesn't suit because he's a man's man. And, and you're like, <laughs> nah, that's why it works. That's why it's so like, the point is his character is so narcissistic, mm-hmm. so in love with himself. You know, he, what was it? He double crossed his, his teammate, Marty Gennetti, and then came out as this horrible, self-absorbed ladies man heel. And I think him singing about Sexy boy is the perfect fit, and he's such a bad singer. It's so badly mixed. <laughs> like the fact that the vocals just—it sounds like karaoke. Fucking terrific, man! It just—it's—it's it's so funny. Like it makes you smile. It's that point in wrestling where you re- you really see the difference between wrestling and UFC, and you're like, I'm having a really fun time just listening to this stupid fucking song. <laughs> it is so ridiculous. I love it. I love the absurdity of that whole moment. The other thing, and this is one of those moments where I really want anybody with the inside scoop to to give us a message. I am sure I watched quite a lot of like, interviews with wrestlers and stuff. And I am pretty sure from memory that Shawn Michaels related the story of being in the studio when he was recording this. And I can't remember who it was. I've got both Motley Crue and Eddie Murphy in my head. <laughs> and I can't remember how the fuck I ended up between one of those two. But long story short, I am sure there's a really funny story about him being in the studio. He was there with like loads of girls trying to sing, singing really fucking badly along with this track and there was some kind of hijinks if you know the details of that story can you please tell us because mm. I, I tried to find it before we recorded and i couldn't uh, but i do remember really enjoying it when i heard it the first time mm-hmm. also worth saying we, we spoke a little bit about chris jericho sean michaels is also one of the most important wrestlers one of the, the best to have ever, yeah, ever done it Talked about great matches like the omega matches but the, the two the sean michaels taker matches yeah. are just wrestling like like ridiculous overblown WWE at its best mm. like just another amazing gr- theatre another great wrestling match that Shawn Michaels was part of is when like after he lost the title in 1998 I believe he retired for four he, he retired for four years he needed, he needed to get back surgery quite badly actually he dropped it to Steve Austin after winning it off a of Bret Hart during the screw job the Montreal screw job which I recommend that you go check out um, there's also there's a really excellent documentary called The Dark Side of the Ring which is done by Vice I believe, that's amazing I believe it was on I believe you can get it on all four it's, it's phenomenal go check it out uh, lots of like really dark stories about all the bad shit that's happened in wrestling um, <laughs> mankind yeah, yeah. <laughs> ouch yeah <laughs> But one of the best matches he had is when he came back from retirement and fought a guy called Triple H, who we've mentioned before. He is uh, currently the man is called the man's name is Paul Levesque. He's currently the executive vice president of global talent and strategy development, and he is Shawn Michaels' best pal. And his theme tune, "The Game" by Motorhead, is just fucking amazing. <laughs> Time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> His second theme tune by Motorhead yep. uh, after King of Kings, yeah. He was actually really good friends with Lemmy and he's a really well-known metal fan as well. NXT actually do shows at Downloads Festival every year because of his relationship with a lot of metal bands and stuff like that. 
But ultimately, this song is just really iconic. It's all about the game, and how you play it. All about control, and if you can take it. All about your debt, and if you can pay it. It's all about pain, and who's gonna make it? I am the game, you don't wanna play me. You know, it's a really good tune, which kind of it supersedes everything that we've kind of a lot of things we've spoken about so far because it's just a good song in general. Um, it's really recognisable. It speaks about the character and his motivation. You know, his nickname, the game, comes from him saying in a promo once, "I'm not the best in the game. I am the game." It's just such an arrogant sounding song, and he is so arrogant. You know, when I was younger, I used to hate him. I used to hate him so much, and I was like, "That guy is so fucking overrated." But over the past few years, I've watched a few of his matches with my flatmate because he's got the WWE Network and sometimes he'll just pop one on. And man, the storytelling was so good at it. He is so good at it. And he's not a good technical wrestler. He's a big horse. (laughs) Um, Takes so much fucking punishment as well, man. This song just, all of that, suits all of that about this guy's character. There There are very few theme songs which like nail down a person. And this is one of them. Sexy Boy is also another one of them. Bret Hart's theme tune, which we spoke about earlier on, is arguably another really good example. And there's another one I can think of, but um, I'm not entirely sure what that is, Chris. Oh, well, uh, could it be the absolute archetypal wrestling anthem? An 80s anthem, and I think... I mean, I've, I've got a horrible feeling that the 80s might actually turn out to have been the best era <laughs> of Western Western culture. And that's, that's pretty fucked up when you consider the 80s, but... This tune for me is, it, it doesn't get more 80s than WWE and the Cold War and Go America and Flag Waving and Ronald Reagan and Hulk Hogan and the track Real American. <laughs> I am a real American, fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American, fight for what's right, fight for I mean, it, the thing is, you know, in a playlist of, like, guilty 80s pleasures with, like, Bon Jovi and R.E.O. Speedwagon, this tune's totally on there, man. It's just fucking brilliant. It is, it's absolutely ridiculous. It was also another one, a bit like the Kurt Angle thing, not originally written for Hulk Hogan, it was written for both uh, Barry Windham and Mike Rotondo, who, uh, I don't know why they didn't end up using it, but it's that maximum kind of testosterone, USA, USA, it's, it's a ridiculous piece of music that just totally, totally fits, and given that Hulk's an obnoxious prick in real life as well, it just <laughs> just kind of doubles down um, it was written by a guy called Rick Derringer um, Rick Derringer if you want to know who he is sang the track Hang On Sloopy Uh, by the McCoys, the track that went to number one. Um, the backing vocals in this song are by Cindy Loper. <laughs> there we go. Bringing yep. it full circle there, Chris. <laughs> I and uh, she goes. She goes under the, tr- the 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 pseudonym Mona Flambe. Nice on the, on the, on the credits. Um, also, the the guy that wrote it, Rick Derringer. It kind of it. The thing is, wrestling's so insincere. But the thing is, Rick Derringer really believes this song. 
that's kind of why it's so brilliantly realised because he is a fucking knob um, <laughs> he's he's an evangelical Christian like extreme conservative I mean we're talking about a guy that not so long ago was convicted for taking a loaded gun onto an aeroplane and, and then saying I just assumed that was okay you know I mean he is a fucking piece of work and he believes every single he doesn't see it as being an ironic funny song he sees it as being like a right on banger anthem I'm completely behind this why is everybody laughing doesn't get it at all doesn't get the joke but it, I mean it's just absolutely fucking brilliant it's perfect it's, it's the perfect wrestling song and as you said Hulk was the first real face of the company uh, in that in that big time sense and this was the tune that, that went along with that mm-hmm. that made that happen and he still come well, when he does when he has granted an appearance these days because he's a, a extremely problematic individual still still use that same song mm-hmm Indeed he does. And that, for anyone that travelled with us, is the end of our dive into uh, wrestling music. (laughs) And I stand by it. If you didn't like it, too bad. Probably didn't pay for it anyway. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Salty. If you are are one of the subs that's uh, miffed about it, we'll make it up to you somehow, don't worry. We actually have a couple of new ideas for shows that we're going to announce in the next couple of weeks, like themes for shows, which will especially uh, affect you if you're a subscriber. So uh, hopefully that'll get us back in your good books. Mm -hmm. However, there is one more thing to do, as I'm sure you know. We have a nexus nexus. for our our number one choices. And I'm I'm false modesty be damned, especially because we're talking about wrestling where false modesty just doesn't fly. Mine is a fucking Bobby Dazzler. Uh, mine is it's fine I, I, could have done, I probably could have done better to be honest the, this is the first time we're seeing Nexus tonight will it be the last what do they have in store for us not good Why am I here? You're in the Nexus. This is the Nexus. For you, this is what you want. I'm going to ask you to go first then, because I, I, I want to finish big. Okay. So my number one song was, of course, The Game by Motorhead, which is the theme tune for Mr. Triple H, Paul Levesque himself. Uh, Paul Levesque is actually married to Vincent Mann's daughter if you didn't know that <laughs> it's definitely man. Uh, and Vincent Mann is of course the patriarch he's the man in charge of all he sees all he he still has the final say over anything that happens in any of the episodes even to this day it's, it's actually like an iron grip like a vice grip on power. it's insane when you consider how big that company is that one guy still has veto power make or break yep it's wild it must be hugely inefficient to work for like it must be cripplingly cripplingly inefficient as an organisation mm. well you see it in the quality of the product <laughs> yeah <so. laughs> um, but uh, a few a few years ago um, in the early 2000s mid 2000s I would say uh, WWE thought about a really good idea against the movie game 
They did in a big way, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they have been ever since. They've actually had a couple of, a couple of Netflix exclusives recently as well. But I don't know if you you know it's it's not something that you would really know much about in Britain. I don't think, but they seem to have an alliance with Hanna Barbera, and they've done cartoons with the Jetsons and Scooby Doo and all that, and WWE superstars and stuff. Did not know that. Yeah, so um, Mr. McMahon has appeared as himself in the WWE Studios animated film called The Jetsons and WWE Robo WrestleMania. <laughs> uh, now, I, I'm going back a little bit of my knowledge here, but I believe that the dog in The Jetsons is called Astro. Is that right? Can't remember. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Astro is voiced by a gentleman called Frank Welker, and uh, he is a very well-known voice actor. He's done a lot of voiceover work. Um, not well-known, but he's done a lot of work, I suppose. Um, he was actually in a film in 1972 called Dirty Little Billy, where he played... Young Punk, <laughs> which is a great <laughs> a great name for a, a character, I suppose. Which is actually a film which is about the origin of Billy the Kid. Uh, also in that fil- film was legendary mental f- cunt Gary Busey. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, I mean he's he's on brand with McMahon and all that as well. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Gary Busey's obviously starred in quite a lot of films, including including one called The Firm, which stars the Mister Com. Truth, sorry, Tom Cruise. <laughs> Come truth. Tom Cruise. <laughs> uh, and uh, Tom Cruise as the running man. Uh, he he's a very famous actor, of course. And he was an actually he was actually in Stanley Kubrick's Stanley Kubrick's final film with his then wife Nicole Kidman called Eyes Wide Shut, in which Leggetti's Musica Ricirata was used. Very good. There we go. Um, I've got, I've got a wee bit of a, a wee bit of a sort of sidebar I want to add into that. There, Legetti's music is probably most well known for Kubrick fans because it's used a few times in two thousand one, and a lot of the score was actually influenced by his work. But um, he was never credited for the music, and it was modified without his permission, and they, they did not have clearance to use the music in the film. So he ended up suing Stanley Kubrick, and it was settled out well, of court. Yeah, well, the music for uh, 2001 AD uh, wasn't meant to be that music. Stanley Kubrick put them in as placeholders and then tried to get original compositions to do the same job. And then the original compositions didn't work anywhere near as well as the, the, the placeholders that they put in. And then somehow they ended up just going ahead without clearing it. But one of the things that I think is really interesting is he's, he then went on to use his music again. He used it in The Shining and he used it in Ice White Shot. So... Possibly though To try Those times he did it Legitimately And it was maybe Mm. To try and sort of Smooth things over And say okay I beg your pardon We'll get you some Royalties this way Mm -hmm. By by using it again Plus it just Really worked Yeah Well It's interesting That you mentioned The running man Mm. Let's talk about A different running man During this nexus Okay Um Okay so My choice was obviously Real American by Hulk Hogan Um Hulk Hogan actually took the name Hulk Hogan from an appearance on a late 70s uh, talk show. I think it was in Memphis. Um, and he was appearing alongside a guy called Lou Ferrino. And, and, <laughs> and Lou Ferrino was the Incredible Hulk at the time. Lou Ferrino was a really famous bodybuilder, um, but also liked to paint himself green and lift cars. Um, and I think when he was on that, and I think it was was it somebody related, it was somebody related to Jeff Jarrett that was there. And somebody commented anyway that uh, Hulk... 
was sort of making Lou Ferrino look quite small mm-hmm. comparatively. Um, so Hulk went from being Terry Boleo to Terry Boulder mm-hmm. and then Terry the Hulk Boulder. Um, also, by the way, uh, this is brilliant, but I didn't realise that he also in the early days wrestled under the name Sterling Golden. <laughs> 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 Which definitely sounds like a fake bank account that you'd sell. I should have called my um, fucking, I should have called my solar project that, if I'm honest. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Lou Ferrino is also the star of, or one of the stars of a film called Pumping Iron, which is really ostensibly about Arnold Schwarzenegger, but focuses in a, in a large part on uh, the rivalry between him and Lou Ferrino. Lou Ferrino was the kind of upstart, and Arnie was the sort of like the master. And I think it was, I think it was meant to be his last competition when he went up against Ferrino, and mm-hmm. Arnie came out on top. And then I think he stayed on one more year and won again. But that's kind of the that's kind of the underlying theme of that. Arnold Schwarzenegger. This is an absolutely fucking amazing thread that I just sort of happened to to stumble across. Okay, so let's let's go deep in this. All right. In the nineteen seventies, and this is this is a conspiracy theory. Okay. Oh no. <laughs> but it's out there, and it has been covered by different publications. Okay. In the nineteen seventies, Arnold Schwarzenegger supposedly uh, lived and spent some time training in London, but. He also did some work during that time, supposedly, allegedly, for loan sharks, and and that in, uh, involved recovering gambling debts. I've heard about this. Um, I've heard about this. Okay, so in the course of his recovering gambling debts, so the theory goes, uh, one of these debtors included Lord Lucan. Oh, okay. Jeez. Uh, Lord Lucan, also known as uh, John Bingham, seventh Earl of Lucan, is very famous because he he went very missing mm-hmm. in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, the theory goes, and I very much stress it's a theory that <laughs> the theory goes that Lord Lucan made a deal with Arnold Schwarzenegger to kill Lord Lucan's wife, Lady Veronica Lucan, in order to try and somehow I don't know sell the house, get some kind of payoff to settle this debt, this enormous gambling debt that he was very famous for having amassed. Lord Lucan was a notorious gambler. And also, supposedly, he incentivised Arnold Schwarzenegger to go along with this. He'd said he would help Arnold Schwarzenegger obtain a green card. So, this conspiracy theory goes that Arnold Schwarzenegger went to the house to kill Lady Veronica Lucan and mistook the nanny, Sandra Rivet, who was killed, for Lady Veronica Lucan. So Arnold Schwarzenegger allegedly killed the wrong person. <laughs> now, Lord Lucan realised, tried to kill his wife, who then later is recorded as having turned up in a local pub covered in blood. Uh, Lord Lucan panicked, and him and Arnie went on the run <laughs> <laughs> to the coast, at which point Arnie decided, I can't have him turn me in, and killed Lord Lucan and buried him Et voila, Lord Lucan has been missing since 1974, declared dead officially in 2016 because... Arnie killed him. Supposedly, Arnie killed him. Fucking hell, man. <laughs> and uh, Arnie killed uh, Sandra Rivet, apparently. Interestingly, though, uh, Lord Lucan's wife, uh, Veronica Lucan, who he supposedly tried to kill, committed suicide a year after he was finally uh, declared dead. Um, this story, by the way, didn't just come out the ether. It, it emerged from a guy called Giovanni Di Stefano. Have you ever heard of this guy? The name's familiar, but I don't know why. He is he is the fake lawyer known as the devil's advocate. Oh. And that's because he represented Saddam Hussein, Slobodan Milosevic, all kinds of people, despite having never, ever obtained any legal qualifications whatsoever. He completely blagged himself into 
defending some of the the worst <laughs> mass murderers and genocide, most genocidal maniacs in the world. Uh, so this is a guy that claimed he had the inside tack on what happened to Lord Lucan, and he says it was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Wow, that is that's a rabbit mental. hole, mate. That's a rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Lord Lucan, during the course of his gambling, uh, became very good friends with a Mister Ian Fleming. Oh, that guy. Uh, Yep, uh, and in fact, Lord Lucan's family later bought Ian Fleming's house. Um, mm. So it goes that uh, in 1969, Lord Lucan turned down the offer from Arbor Arbor, uh, Albert R. Broccoli to replace Sean Connery as James Bond. What? Now, yeah, supposedly on the specific suggestion of Ian Fleming, who knew Lord Lucan really well, I don't know if the character was in some way reflecting Lord Lucan or more that Lord Lucan really, really liked the James Bond character. I mean, he even went to the extent of buying an Aston Martin and everything about his lifestyle, his demeanour and stuff reflected what he saw as being James Bond. But yeah, uh, Lord Lucan was asked to replace Sean Connery and he, he turned it down. Um, James Bond. James Bond themes that almost were. Mm. Uh, how about uh, Debbie Harry or Blondie doing For Your Eyes Only in 1981? That almost happened. Don't try Got dropped in favour of I think it was Sheena Easton mm-hmm. did that mm-hmm. one. Um, Johnny Cash was meant to do the Thunderball in '65. Wow. Alice Cooper did a version of the Man with the Golden Gun in 1974. That was too. Uh, it was too glam metal. Is that available for them for, for listening? Because I would <laughs> like to hear that. Um, and this is an absolute ripper. In 1995, the theme tune for GoldenEye was meant to be performed by Ace of Bass. What? Our old, our old friends, <laughs> neo-Nazis Ace of Bass. Jeez. <laughs> and Ace of Bass's producers apparently dismissed it and were like, no, we're not doing that, we're not doing that. But the track that they'd written, they've later uh, reworked and re-released as a tune called Juvenile, which you can be damn sure I'm going to factor in here. <laughs> the juvenile in a time where the night is so cold. The juvenile has the key to the end. Ace of Bass are the third biggest earning Swedish act of all time. Mm-hmm. Number two being my beloved Roxette and number one obviously Clearly. being ABBA. Yes. Uh, ABBA's manager Mr. Stig Anderson founded the Polar Music Prize in 1989, and that's run every year since. Mm-hmm. And they know every year they nominate a classical and a contemporary composer or songwriter. And in 2004, that was awarded to Georgi Ligeti. He was described as having stretched the bounds of what is musically conceivable. Awesome. Well done. There you go. Well done. Back of the net. 
healthy long episode this week, Mark. Yes. <laughs> I need to split that for the hardcore fans. <laughs> this is what happens when Dave's not here to tell us that he needs to go and have his dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew we'd get there in the end, though. I knew we'd get there in the end. Uh, so, I believe... I really hope he's made it through that. I mean, I, I'm just glad we got that out of our system. Yep. I feel like I our weight's been lifted. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Mm-hmm. A lot of good stuff in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you are... I mean, you're not going to hear me saying this if you sniffed at it because you probably switched off ages ago <laughs> to go and listen to Pod Save America or fucking Joe Rogan or some shit. Okie doke. Mark's your week next week. I uh, I understand you have a rather fantastic nomination. Uh, the Ugly Organ by Cursive. Cursive. Yeah, so we know that... So we're getting all hip again. Yeah, we know that this band have been in the ether for a while and people have suggested Cursive 2 is... I don't know about you, but to me personally, they have. And they're a band that I I was very familiar with in, in the sort of mid-2000s when this album came out, but then kind of fell away, f- away from them as I grew older. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, they've kept releasing records. <laughs> so it'll be good to dive into that. I've actually, I don't know about you, man, but I've actually started doing some research and I think it was going to be an interesting episode. Yeah, absolutely. Going to be an interesting well, episode. I started doing research when I went to see them a bit. <laughs> 15 years ago so <laughs> um, yeah that'll be it'll be an interesting one I see we're trying to balance out what is probably the most chronically unhip episode we've ever done this week uh, with something super hip next yeah time. I'm sure it could end well <laughs> let's hope it works <laughs> <laughs> or we're just so erratic that nobody hangs around anymore yes yes <laughs> Um, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, we, as we say, we've got a couple of ideas for subscribers. We'd love it if you do subscribe. There's some pretty cool stuff in there, some uh, special episodes, bonus episodes, uh, and a couple of other wee incentives. We've also got a special AAA backstage area now where we can kind of engage in more free-flowing dialogue with, with the kind of long-term and hardcore listeners. And it means that we're a bit easier to reach if you've got ideas for a show or suggestions for a show. Uh, we've already, as Mark says, we've had a couple of those we're getting a, a lot of good feedback so if you want to talk to us direct it's a couple of bucks um literally two bucks yep yeah, <laughs> and you, you get a whole host of other things so go to the patreon and until our much hipper next episode look after yourselves fuck you david the wrestling episode <laughs> <laughs> you dick <laughs> <laughs>